Hello, and welcome to the Foot School Podcast. I'm Andy Brummage. Imagine starting a new job in a new city in the middle of a global pandemic. Now imagine that new job is head of school and that your task is to figure out how to reopen campus safely for more than 600 students and staff. That's the challenge that Alewa Cooper assumed when she became Foote's ninth head of school on July 1st. After months of planning, Foot reopened for in-person learning on August 31st. It has felt fantastic to be back on campus together, even with some of the new safety precautions in place. And Alewa has dived right in. She's getting to know families and teachers, overseeing education, health, safety, and logistics, and even serving as a temperature taker at morning drop-off. Alewa sat down with us this week to talk not just about school in the time of coronavirus, but also about her journey as an educator, her impressions of New Haven, and her ideas about K-9 education. Alewa, welcome to Foot School. You arrived at a really unusual time in history. How has your transition been? Andy, it has been fast and furious. When I moved up to New Haven in June, that was probably the slowest and quietest time that I've had thus far. Um, But it's a good thing that I really enjoy moving about, learning new things, moving quickly, because that's what it's been like. Uh, But it's been joyful. That's great. So when you came to visit Foot as a candidate, I remember you distinctly saying that the Foot School had you at hello, which is a great line, of course, from the Jerry Maguire movie. What made you fall for Foot? Well, the first thing, before I even set foot on the campus, it was, uh, and kudos to you, Andy, it really was looking at the website and falling in love there and thinking, well, gosh, if everything that is being said on this uh, website is accurate, then there's no way that I'm not going to enjoy uh, visiting this campus. And then when I actually arrived, just the feel of the campus, uh, the fact that it is an oasis in the middle of a city uh, was astonishing to me. And then it it was the people. The, and, and the students, the students right away um, were the ones that I fell in love with first. And it wasn't because I was able to sit down and um, have conversations with them right away, but rather because they saw me and spoke and said hello and made me feel welcome. Those students are learning in a completely new way now that we're back on campus this fall. We have outdoor teaching tents. There are hand sanitizer stations. They're wearing face masks. Some teachers have plexiglass barriers. There are floor markers for physical distancing. How are teachers keeping the joy alive amid all these new restrictions from what you've seen? That's a really great question. Andy, I think what's important about being on campus is that we are together. And so I think that's the first thing, right? It's about the teachers finding ways for the students to connect, whether they're connecting with those who are in person, but also those who are learning remotely and making sure that they feel connected to this community and to their classmates. 
but it's my firm belief that the teachers actually bring the joy, right? Students uh, come in and they make the place and they make this place um, wake up and uh, it's alive when they're here. But the, the teachers are the ones who, with their passions, with their talent, bring the joy with them. So when they're introducing their um, area of knowledge, their expertise, and uh, they are drawing the students in, even with a mask, that's where the learning and the magic happens. You have a really interesting background that you're bringing into this new role. Um, You are a dancer. um, You've been an educator for a long time in in different settings, and I want to get into all of that. But tell me first about your journey as an educator and what first drew you to education. So I'm one of those people who would say, well, I always knew that I would be a teacher. Now, that statement is partially true because my mother always knew that I would be an educator. I did not. I thought that I'm, as a creative individual, I would um, go off and and use that creativity to live in a high-rise building and uh, work in uh, advertising. And yet, somehow, I always came back to working with students in some capacity. I, I never took a single class that would prepare me to be, go into advertising. Uh, so uh, education was it for me, even though I fought it all the way. And then I knew it was the right place for me to be when I had entered uh, my first class as a teacher and I saw that light bulb moment go off over the, literally and figuratively over the student's head. The light bulb went off and that was the moment that I knew that I needed to be an educator and I needed more of this. I needed to have that connection with students to see them learn and grow. Where was your first teaching job? Well, my first teaching job was um, at the town school in New York City. I was a fourth grade associate teacher. What did you learn in that first job that has stayed with you until this moment when you are now leading a school? I learned to listen. That was the biggest lesson because I, before... I started teaching, I thought I had to have all of the answers and I had to have answers ready when students asked questions. But sometimes adults hear what they want to hear. And so I learned that I needed to be a better listener to fully understand what it was that the students were trying to communicate with me. And that has been something that I've taken to heart and I have held very closely, uh, and I continue to do now as an administrator. Tell me about a teacher of yours who made an important difference in your life, and how has that influenced your career? The, f- the teacher that I've had in my life for the longest was actually my dance teacher. She knew me from the age of six until I was 16, and I danced with her every Saturday and Sunday for hours and hours on end. Um, and, and she really 
took the time to get to know me, um, but not just as a dancer. The I think one of the most important lessons I learned from her was about responsibility. Um, because there was a time when I wasn't taking school seriously. And um, there that was in second grade. And I just wasn't doing my work. So I will never forget the moment because she called my household, which was a big deal at those times. Second graders did not receive phone calls. So my mother said, um, your dance teacher, Francis, would like to speak with you. And I was surprised. My eyes got really big. I took the phone and she explained to me that she had learned that I wasn't doing my work. And so she was uninviting me to dance classes and that I wasn't going to be able to return until she received a report uh, back that I was taking my learning as seriously as I was taking my dancing. Uh, I was stunned. Uh, and at first I was like, you can't do that. Dance has nothing to do with school. And quickly um, I came to realize, yes, in fact, she had done it. Uh, whether or not I believe she could do it or not, she had done it. Uh, and my parents and, and Francis were in partnership. And so dance class was not in my future for a few weeks until I was able to turn things around. Uh, and she cared about me as an individual beyond the the topic, the area that was her expertise. So in a recent faculty meeting, you shared a clip from the 1980s movie Fame. And it was great. We all loved it. And um, I was just hoping you could talk about that and about dance and um, how far you took it in your life and sort of how it has made a difference for you. Dance has always been the, the thing in my life that has helped me maintain balance. I learned at a very young age that there was something that happened to me physically when music turned on and I had the ability to just move my body. For me, there is no other feeling like it. Um, you heard me talk about Francis before, and, and Francis was the one who said to me, when you're dancing, allow the music to enter your soul, and then just let it guide you. She said, and all the problems that you have, leave them in a paper bag outside the door. Trust me, no one will take your problems. They will be there when you, are, when you finish. Um, so for me, it's, it's, that, it's that feeling I get when I'm in the, in the moment of moving. Um, and it, it's, it's funny because even though it has been the thing in my life that has been probably the most constant other than school, right, and being in a school building because I've been in a school building my entire life, I began to dance before I went to school. Uh, my mother says I could dance before I could walk, but it was never the thing that I thought that I would do as my career because I didn't want it to feel like it was my job. Uh, I am still incredibly moved when I watch others dance. It is something that I love to do on my own and for myself, and it really is something that is needed. And so I do it weekly. The challenge for me right now has been the time and finding a new location to do it, right? Because I'm living in a new place. 
Well, on that topic, you're not only new to foot, you're new to New Haven. I'm curious to know what you're discovering in New Haven. Do you have any favorite restaurants? Have you found a dance studio? Do you have favorite neighborhoods or parks or other places you've discovered so far? So I have, sadly, I've not found a dance studio yet, but I do have um, some leads on places that I need to look into. Really, I haven't found them because I just haven't had the time. The, the thing that I have had time to do, however, um, <clears throat> has been to eat my way through New Haven. <laughs> uh, we have enjoyed many, many places. Uh, and of course, we've started with doing our tour of the pizza shops and the p- restaurants that serve pizza around town. We have um, ventured into finding all of the ice cream locations. Um, I should probably move into some more substantial types of food. However, when you live with um, two boys, uh, my partner Markel and our stepson and my stepson, um, you find yourself eating lots of pizza and and ice cream at time. Well, and you can't go wrong with either of those in this city. Um, Tell me about you a little bit. What are you reading right now? What books are on your nightstand? So the first book that's there is my journal. And I have committed to taking a few minutes each night before I go to sleep to just jot down my thoughts on the day. Uh, The book that has made its way there uh, now, it's not a very... um, it's not an actual uh, story, but rather it's the NAIS trend book. It's a book that I, I need to read in order for me to know what's going on uh, across the nation in terms of trends uh, in the independent school world. And so I'm reading it a little bit at a time. Um, but it's not as enjoyable as some of the other books that I've had on my nightstand. The book before that was our summer read, um, Born a Crime. And it is one that I had both read physically, but also listened to. And that I would absolutely recommend if you're looking for a book to get started, uh, to get you into uh, listening to books, Born a Crime is a must. That's by Trevor Noah. Yes. You are also a big fan of Hamilton, the musical. What do you love about it? There, what's not to love about Hamilton? There's the lyrics, um, the fact that the characters played are played by they play the actors play two different roles in the first act and the second act. But when I listen to the music, the full story is there, and I learned something about myself from Hamilton that I just didn't know. As a as a student, I um, was. I did not want to read the books that were assigned to me, even though they were like historical fiction books sometimes. So the book Johnny Tremaine was one that I know that I was supposed to read, and I believe that I did as I was a student. Uh, But it was a book that I came back to after having watched Hamilton. Uh, I saw the music uh, in Hamilton is uh, one that both gets me excited because of the 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 way that it flows so quickly and the number of words that are produced in a minute uh so the rap components of it but i also love i'm a ballad 
type of person. And so the ballads in um, that musical are my absolute favorites. But after watching Hamilton, then I had to then go back and actually read and learn, uh, reread uh, some of the books that I had read as a student. And I, and I read Johnny Tremaine, and I was surprised at how much I actually loved it as an adult. And I found that I, am, I, I, I enjoy uh, history more than I knew that I did as a student. And so I think it has reconnected me with something that I just didn't know I, I could love. So you are taking the helm at foot at a time not only with the pandemic happening, but when education was already changing at a fairly rapid pace. How do you think education will look different in five years? Hmm, that's a that's a really interesting question, because I, I think as educators, you, you never go to you don't go to graduate school to learn about how children learn and think that you're going to be utilizing technology as much as you do, um, that there would be so, so much distance between you and your students. And yet that's exactly um, what our situation is right now. So I think in five years time, we will have figured out the way that um, some children learn best. I think that this is an area that we just hadn't recognized before. We know that there are some children who learn um, through kinesthetic a kinesthetic approach and others who learn by reading things themselves and others who need to say it out loud or have you say it out loud in order for them to retain it. But we're learning other ways of working with students. And so I think um, we'll find that there's a lot more flexibility in in the way that we're teaching uh, down the line. So thinking about um, some of the new methods, and it's not new per se um, uh, across the, the the board, but it is new for elementary aged children. And I'm speaking specifically of high flex, which is um, the ability to have a lesson that can be either in person or virtual. And that's something that you might find in, on college levels. And we're figuring out ways of making that possible for younger and younger students. We talk a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion as a school. What are the most important things we can do to promote those values? I think the first is you, everyone in any community needs to be known, seen, and heard. Uh, And those are important components because if you don't feel those three things, you don't feel like you can be an insider in that community or even be included, right? So when we're thinking about our policies and our practices, when we're thinking about anyone we're welcoming into our community um, and all those who have been in the community for a while, we wanna make sure that they have those three things. Um, You heard me talk about listening before and that's another key component because hearing about people's experiences is important but then being able to put yourself in in someone else's shoes to try and understand their perspective it does not mean that you have to agree with them but it does 
mean that you are trying to understand how they are interpreting what's happening around them and why that might be the case. And there may be factors um, in their life that cause people to interact and engage with them differently than yours. And that's an an important um, component. I think the other thing is um, we can't be afraid to have conversations. And sometimes those conversations are going to be uncomfortable. And sometimes those conversations um, will be so soul stirring that you're not quite sure like what, what to do next. Um, but understanding that someone else's perspective is just as important as your own is key in this. And then being willing and open to learning, um, that's the last thing, right? So there are things that we can do and practices that we have to make sure, right? We want to make sure that we have a diverse community. We want to make sure that we have lots of different ways of thinking about things. We want to make sure that we have... um, people who have different abilities um, and present their talent in different ways Uh, and and having all of those represented in our community is is an important component as well because that's how we learn you are doing so much for the foot community probably a lot more than you bargained for when you applied for this job Uh, how can the foot community best support you through the next academic year and beyond that's a really great, great question, Andy, because I feel like I had about a week to celebrate uh, my appointment before the reality of COVID sunk in uh, and actually before we all began to shift our focus. Uh, and so for me, I would love to be able to connect with as many people as possible, but it's challenging right now because of um, the way that our school is functioning, and that's okay. So what I ask for is for patience, uh, but I also ask that people, uh, while I'm out doing arrival and dismissal duty um, in the Canner Circle, that you introduce and reintroduce yourself to me. Um, tell me your name. Tell me your child's name. Uh, that's important so that I can begin to recognize people um, and come to understand who you are and understand um who your child is and I I would love to know um, how long you've been um, engaged in and as a member of the foot community Uh, the other things that are really important is there will be a time when I will have um, an opportunity to to welcome meeting the parents in in different ways, right? So parent coffees, um, maybe it's a one-on-one, something along those lines where I can get a chance to really have a conversation with you um, and come to know what's happening um, in in your lives, but also what brought you to foot and what keeps you here at foot. And then lastly, I I ask for your support. This is a crazy, crazy time. Um, But as a community, we are currently thriving. We are doing really well. The students seem excited to be here. There's a buzz. um, 
And if there's something uh, that you are aware of that we don't know about, I ask that you bring it in. That means that you bring it to us so that we can address it, so that we can talk about it, um, or that we can celebrate it, right? If it's something great, we'd want to be able to celebrate it as well. Well, Alewa Cooper, thank you so much for all you're doing for Foot, and thank you for joining us for this conversation. You're welcome, Andy. Podcasts are a production of The Foot School, an independent school for grades K-9 in New Haven, Connecticut. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It will help other people find our podcast. Find more information at www.footschool.org. Thank you for listening.